Today's episode of the JC Hoops podcast is brought to you by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. CJ's has locations in Fayetteville on Weddington and in Russellville on Arkansas Avenue. Online ordering is available at their Fayetteville location. CJ's has been voted best burger and fries in the state, fulfilling their motto, when all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. Welcome to another episode of the JC Hoops podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Collier. We've got a huge week ahead of us with Arkansas facing Alabama and LSU back-to-back at home. For such a big week, I thought it'd be nice to bring on an expert to talk about the Razorbacks' next opponent, the Crimson Tide. So I'm very excited to introduce Tony Sakalis to the show. Tony is the beat writer at BamaInsider.com. Tony, how are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Really looking forward to uh, talking to you a bit and getting to know Alabama a little bit more, you know, uh, now that we're in the nitty-gritty of conference play, you feel like you know most teams uh, at least fairly well, uh, most opponents, that is. Um, but always looking forward to getting a, an insider's point of view. Definitely, and I, I think we'll have a lot to talk about because I, I expect this game to be a lot closer than the 31-point game in, in, at Coleman or earlier this year. Oh, yeah, for sure, and that's definitely one of the points I was hoping we would touch on later in the show. Um, to, just to get things started off real quick, um, Alabama kind of started off the year uh, a little rough. You know, they had a blowout loss to Stanford. They lost to Clemson, which isn't all that bad of a loss. Uh, I guess at this point of the the year, they kind of had a rough stretch. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, I don't know what people really expected out of Clemson. Um, They struggled to beat Furman. They lose to Western Kentucky. What exactly clicked uh, when the Crimson Tide got into conference play? Was it really as simple as hitting a higher clip from three, or was it – better defense or a combination or what what exactly happened there you look at this crimson tide team and there's yes there's seniors there's guys like you know herb jones and alex trace but there was a lot of newcomers there was a lot of people that the team didn't really wasn't really gelled early in the season you know you had javon quinterly starting at point guard but like he had been with the team but hadn't played until this season uh they had a graduate transfer in jordan bruner come in um, you got some new guys like Joshua Primo still figuring stuff out. And so I, I think really this team didn't really find itself until conference play. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, they weren't used to playing together. Uh, you know, I think they're a totally different team than they were out of conference. Um, but that has been one of the question marks surrounding this team is, you know, how, you know, how good can it do outside of the SEC? Because it really has, if you look at its record outside of the SEC, it is, you know, questionable, but I think it really the case there was just the the team not really knowing how to play with, you know, with, with each other, and, and now that, you know, they, they're kind of used to each other, I think things are flowing a little bit more, and they're playing in the style that, that NATO wants them to play in. I can definitely see that, and you know, you, you look at this roster, and top to bottom, it's probably one of the most talented, if not the most talented roster in the SEC. You have guys on the bench like Keon Ambrose Hilton who when they're called upon they contribute they don't necessarily see all that many minutes uh in a regular game per se but you know when, when it's their time when they when they're needed they contribute then you have Jaden Shackford still he's a, he's a sophomore you have Primo contributing as a freshman you, you have a lot of depth in the, at, on this roster even though um coach Oates doesn't necessarily go too deep into his bench all that regularly yeah, I think the only thing that you would really, I guess you could say that they kind of lack depth is and is in the size area. Like they don't really have a lot of bigs. And so, you know, when, when Jordan Bruner went out, um, that was a big loss for Alabama. They really needed 
Alex Reese to step up, and he did. But yeah, look, I think you know um, Alabama as a team that they kind of use their depth. They're they're kind of a team with as good as the roster is. There's not really that star player. They don't really have that guy that they definitely have to go to late in the game. Um, you know, I think. Yeah, Herbert Jones is their best player, but he's not necessarily a scorer. And, you know, it's it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, it seems like one day, you know, it might be Jaden Shackelford that gets hot. The next day it's John Petty. I think John Petty is the guy you would argue is the guy you'd want the ball late. But it's not always like that. Sometimes it's Keon, you know, Keon Ellis. So it just changes. I think it just speaks, like you said, to the depth. But uh, this is definitely one of the deepest teams, you know, Alabama's had in a while. Um Nate Oaks doesn't like to, to to make too many changes or you know to, to really go too deep all, all, all the time, but he does have some guys that he you know can, can put in there. I think some of that lack of changing has been due to you know Alabama's been getting over some injuries. Uh, Jawan Gary's still a little bit banged up, and then they just got Bruner back. So you know now that you're going to see Alabama get deeper, and they're they're kind of getting healthy at the right time as they're heading into both the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. And to your point on not necessarily having like a go-to guy outside of maybe John Petty, uh, that's something that Arkansas fans can relate to just because, you know, Arkansas does have a lot of scoring options. Um, you have Justin Smith, you have J.D. Note, um, Moses Moody, of course, Jalen Tate, all those guys averaging 10-plus uh, points a game. But you don't necessarily see any one of them just absolutely taking the game over in crunch time. It's just one of those things where you have a bunch of scorers, uh, a bunch of guys who can score but not necessarily take over the game. That's not necessarily a bad thing, though, when it comes tournament time. It is good to have that sort of a player. Um, And Arkansas did have one last year in Mason Jones. So it's interesting to see that complete shift in, uh, in the Arkansas roster from having two guys in Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe, and then going to kind of like a four or a five guy system where like they all get their touches, they all get their looks. Yeah, well, you know, I haven't watched as much Arkansas basketball as you have, but, you know, the one game that I saw live with Arkansas, you know, Moses Moody definitely looked like that guy. I think he had like 28 points and nine boards against Alabama in that loss. Uh, He was certainly something. So if they don't have that, if he's not the go-to guy, it seems like, you know, uh, he's definitely a talent. (laughs) He's very talented. I think the the biggest thing about Moses that's keeping him from being the guy is – He's not necessarily all that comfortable with the ball in his hand, but he's getting better. I think at the end of the Missouri game, Musselman put the ball in his hands late, um, and he's not necessarily a dominant personality. So he's he's one of those guys that he'll take it if it comes to him, and against the Alabama game, nobody else was scoring, so it kind of had to come to him. Um, but that's, that's the biggest issue that's keeping him from being that um, go-to guy. Yeah. Um, that's understandable. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'd imagine the expectations coming into this year for Alabama were pretty high. Just you have a new coach last year who's bringing in a new system, recruiting at a high level, bringing in grad transfers. And you saw, you know, towards the end of the year, um, some pretty solid level of play from Alabama. You know, the record didn't really indicate it. I mean, I think what they finished 16 and 15 last year. Um, so the record might not have indicated it, but I guess fans and people who watch college basketball were very much aware that, you know, hey, there's there's something going on in Tuscaloosa. Um, I don't know that the expectations were 
top 10 ranking and two seed in the NCAA tournament high? I could be wrong. I, I don't keep up with Alabama fans all that much, but I, I could be wrong there. I don't even think, you know, top 10. I mean, like, I think there were still some people heading into February that, that fully expected this to fall apart. I think, you know, Alabama basketball fans are used to the, you know, the world crashing down on them late in the season, especially when it comes into to February. And the team's been able to survive it this year just because of how good it is. But, um, but yeah, this is definitely exceeding Alabama's expectations. I think it's, it's safe to say that Alabama expected to make the NCAA tournament. I think you, you could have even found some people that might have expected to maybe win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament, and we'll see how they're going to do that. But, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting the number two seed that Alabama's projecting to get or to win the SEC regular season title. Um, uh, that far exceeds the expectations from even probably the most optimistic Crimson Tide fans. I mean, and even looking at the fact that you have John Petty coming back with a loaded recruiting class and uh, some high-quality transfers coming in and Quinterly and Bruner, you know, that's just uh, that that's a pretty stout returning roster that you have. But even just looking at it on paper, uh, I was thinking, you know, top 25, you know, five, five seed in the NCAA tournament, you know, sweet 16 berth type deal. But now I guess it's looking more two seed, elite eight, final four type expectations. Well, Elite Eight is as far as this team's got, and I, I kind of think that that that's kind of at least the expectation among Alabama fans now. You know, I think they're kind of expecting to make the Elite Eight. Uh, you know, and Final Four would be great, and I think that will mean something to a lot of Alabama fans because Auburn recently made the Final Four, and I think that's one thing that you know Auburn has over Alabama. And I think I think that's one thing that you know Crimson Tide fans would like to kind of even out. Um, but uh, I, I think the expectation has to be at least the lead eight. Um, you know, as the number two seed, that's kind of like where you're supposed to be anyway. So um, I think it's doable. You know, I think if you would have asked me even as early as like January or February, early February, uh, if that was doable, I'd say probably. I mean, that's probably being optimistic. But looking at, you know, looking at Alabama and, and just the way that they can pull out wins, even when they don't start well or even when things aren't going well, I, I kind of think it's they're a team that could make a run in the tournament. And, you know, you're seeing um, the the administration and the program, you know, take note of, of what Coach Oates is doing so far and, you know, extending him midseason, you know, a year and a half into his first contract, trying to lock him down. Um, the fact that they extended him midseason, just a year and a half into his contract, what does that say for, for what he's done to the program? It says a lot, and it says that Alabama is serious about its program as well. But I think, you know, Alabama needed to make a statement because, you know, they haven't been able to renovate Coleman Coliseum, which is definitely, you know, in need of a facelift. And I think they just really needed to show the basketball fans that, hey, look, you know, we have something here and, you know, that they're going to invest in it. And so I think, you know, in doing that, I think they realized they have one of the top coaches in college basketball in Nate Oates. And they really needed to make that statement, not only to their fans, but also probably to Oates that, Hey, you know, we're serious about this and we want to invest in this program and we want to invest in you. And I think that's what they did. I think, so I think that that was a necessary move and I think it was a smart move for Alabama. I'd agree wholeheartedly. You know, Arkansas has kind of been a similar situation with uh, Eric Musselman. Now, you know, uh, coming into this year, Oates and Musselman were both towards the bottom in uh, SEC pay as far as head coaches go. Um, they were both at around the 2.5 million and under range, which is uh, 
I think, tied with Will Wade for the least in the SEC. Um, so now, now Nate Oates is in the top, I think, 15 or top 20 in the country with his raise. And uh, I think that move is obviously going to force Arkansas to have to make a move with Eric Musselman. You know, Arkansas is ranked for the first time since the first week of 2018, poised to make the tournament for the first time since the 2018 season, 2017-2018 season, I think. Um, and just winning at a high level, you know, uh, second place in the SEC right now. Um, it's really going to be interesting to see how much Arkansas Arkansas shells out for Musselman, but also just the dynamic of Coach Pay and the SEC in general moving forward. Because now you have these newer, younger coaches like Eric Musselman and Nate Oates and even Buzz Williams to some extent, even though he's doing a slower build in A&M, you know, he's getting paid a lot of money. So you're going to have to see some sort of movement at, I feel like, at LSU or uh, I don't know how much Bruce Pearl is getting paid at Auburn. Obviously, they're down this year and, and can't participate. But just the whole uh, coaching salary dynamic is just really intriguing to me right now. Yeah, and like with Musselman, when you have a young coach like that that's doing well, it's you know, you're right. Like invest in him and invest in the program and then that would only help that program and him build i mean that kind of gives you a stronghold uh in your position it helps you recruit because it promotes the stability of your of your position so yeah i, I agree um you know with Oates' contract i mean look i what yeah i think he's around like like you said like the 20 range or something like that i mean you could if you're building a college program right now i think he's probably higher than that among the coaches I would want to build it. Um, so you can make the argument that he's even slightly, maybe even a little bit underpaid even after the new deal. But uh, So I think it's definitely well money well spent. I think Arkansas would probably be wise to do the same thing with Musselman. So in, in most SEC schools, football is king just in general. Um, but Bama is really the football capital of college football. So how has fan support been with a dominant basketball team this year as well? Uh, so the fans have been really excited about this team. It's really kind of hard to judge in terms of, you know, people coming out because COVID limits the crowd. So obviously there hasn't been, you know, this packed crowds in, in Coleman Coliseum, um, which would have been nice to see this year. Yeah, so that, that's kind of a, I guess, a little bit of a disappointment because, you know, this team's having such a historic run and, only a limited amount of people are there to see it. But, no, there's definitely been some buzz around the program. Uh, it's still, you know, there's been these jokes or these, you know, signs it's during the telecast that says Alabama's a basketball school. Alabama's very much a football school, but I don't think anyone in the basketball program minds that. You know, Nate Oates was asked about, you know, Alabama being a football school just today. And um, he said he didn't, he doesn't mind it. He enjoys football. And if anything, Nick Saban, you know, excelling at his job only makes you know nato's job easier you know i think it's it elevates the the program as a whole the the university as a whole it puts it in a spotlight and, and so i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing and in terms of nato i think it kind of allows him to operate with without the pressures that he would at a basketball school i mean if alabama was to have a little dip hey, they might have a little dip next season when, when they lose some of these established guys, you know? Who knows? Maybe they won't because they're bringing in J.D. Davidson. But, you know, maybe they do have a little bit of a dip. I think at a basketball school, that becomes a, a bigger thing, whereas a football school, I think you can maybe get away with that and then kind of build, you know, around that um, and where there's not as much pressure. So I think he probably is in a good position. I, I don't necessarily think it's bad to be a basketball coach at a football school. 
Well, you're seeing kind of that same situation as far as a down year at a basketball school at Kentucky. Uh, their fans are not happy for having one bad year in however long it's been. Uh, I guess since, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Billy Gillespie was over there. Um, <laughs> it's It's been entertaining to watch how those fans have just completely turned on John Calipari. You look all over social media, anytime they, they lose their calling for his job, and it, it's a coach who's been to multiple Final Fours and has won a national championship for him. I know. It, it kind of makes you wonder, like, what, what if Saban went, like, you know, I don't know, like, three and, you know, seven in, in, in the regular season? Would, would, would fans start calling for his head? I mean, that's it, it's the same. How can you, how can you turn on a, such an established coach? I mean, any program would love to have Calipari as their coach. I, you know, you're not going to fire him. That's that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, who are you going to get that's more established than him? Like, um, that, that's that's ridiculous to me. I, look, you can have a bad year, especially in a in a weird COVID year. I think if you're going to have a bad year, this is the year to have it. Um, like we said, there's not fans there, so I think that's kind of unwarranted. Um, but then again, I know that you know Kentucky. That's that's their bread and butter, and it's you know it's tough because. Um, basketball is king over there so to have the season that they're having is extremely disappointing speaking of just fan support in general you know last year Arkansas and Alabama had a really tough uh, matchup in Coleman Coliseum the fans came out Arkansas was down big quick I think they were Alabama was up 12 to nothing at one point and Musselman who you know really doesn't call timeouts all that much burned three timeouts in the opening couple of minutes um, and Arkansas ended up rallying to win that game. Um, but then again, this year, you go back to Coleman Coliseum, and Alabama just absolutely boat races Arkansas. What is going to be different um, this game at Bud Walton Arena compared to that first game in Coleman Coliseum this year? I think, you know, Arkansas is going to be different. I think Arkansas is uh, is playing a little bit better. I think, wasn't that Smith's first game back? It was, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's going to be a, a big thing for I know that Alabama will also have Bruner back, and I know they didn't have Bruner for that game. So those, let's say, like maybe those two cancel out. But like, still, I think Arkansas is what seven of eight in their last since playing Alabama, and then won all of its SEC games. So I think Arkansas has kind of established itself as the second best team in the SEC. Also, the game is going to be in Arkansas, and Alabama hasn't won there since I think 2012. So, um, you know, I, I I definitely don't expect it to be a 31 point game. I think. You know, the thing I look at in this matchup is this is a matchup that I think Alabama needs to win to prove to itself that it is an elite team. Because as good as Alabama has done, the last two games that you would call like big time matchups that they've been in, you know, they've come, you know, on the road at Oklahoma and on the road at Missouri, and they lost both those two games. And those are like the last two games I think, you know, you were kind of geared up to, to go into. So I, I'm interested to see how they respond. This one, there's, Obviously, the conference title, they can clinch it with a win. I think that means a lot to the team and to the players. And so um, if Alabama loses this game, is it the end of the world for Alabama? No, but I think it, it's such a statement game to the team that I think it's it's a big one. I can definitely see all those, too. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of in the same boat with Arkansas. You know, you win uh, a game on the road at a ranked Missouri team. You, you hold home court against a good Florida team. And you, you find yourself in the top 25 for consecutive weeks. Well, now 
essentially you're playing for, you know, you still have hopes that maybe you can win out and have Alabama. If you beat Alabama and they drop a couple, maybe then there's a tiebreaker for first or, or, or some sort of scenario like that. So you're still in the competitive mindset for that. But also, um, they're playing for seeding in the NCAA tournament. They're projected on the sixth line right now. But a win against Alabama and even against LSU uh, this coming uh, Saturday, that could push Arkansas up to the four-seed line. That'll be the highest uh, NCAA tournament seed that they would uh, have since the 90s. So, you know, Arkansas has a lot riding on this game as, two, uh, as game as well. Um, it's just a, a huge matchup. First top 25 matchup in Bud, Bud Walton Arena since 1998. So it's going to be a really, really intriguing matchup. You know, and, and one other thing real quick, um, Alabama shoots the three ball really well. And that's kind of their um, bread and butter, so to speak, their their offensive identity. They they shoot the three ball really well. They shoot a lot of them. They score from the free throw line, and they, they score from around the rim. You look at... Um, I think on Twitter, some of their uh, shot charts get leaked, and it is literally nothing but three-pointers around the entire arc and then nothing but shots right at the rim. It, it, it is honestly a thing of art, <laughs> how how efficient they are with getting that shot chart so often. Yeah, well, they have a lot of shooters, and I think that even the guys that aren't shooting the ball particularly you know, well, they, you have to account for them for three, and I think you know that opens up those those maybe those backdoor cuts to the rim. Uh, it just kind of makes the offense flow. So, you know, if they are jacking up a bunch of threes, they do have people that can make, so you have to respect them, and then you can get those those easy buckets. And I think it's just kind of like that's Nate Oates' system right there. Uh, we, we ran a piece on our side about the, just the gravity of pulling defenders, you know, away through the perimeter game. And it's just, uh, you're right, it, is, it has been a, a work of art um, in terms of how they've been able to do it. It's certainly worked in the players it's a system that the players like, you know, and so I think, you know, it also has to do with, you know, hustling and blue collar mentality and NATO's harps on that. And I think it's, it's easier to sell that side of what NATO does, the, the hustle part, when you get to run something as fun as, you know, the perimeter offense in the high scoring that, that they're able to do on the offensive side. So I think it's a, it's an easy sell to players, and they're they're able to buy into this, and that's why it's made it work so quickly at Alabama. So Arkansas is currently eighth in the SEC in opponent three point percentage, compared to leading the league and the country last year in three point defense. But they're also coming off wins over Kentucky and Missouri, where they where each team shot thirty eight percent from three. Missouri and Kentucky did, and Kentucky made nine threes, and Missouri made eight. Um, but Arkansas ended up winning both of those games. You know, obviously, Bama's philosophy is threes, free throws, and layups, uh, but does Arkansas's ability to win games while allowing teams to score from outside, does that provide any level of concern for Alabama going into this game? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you, you, when you look at what, that, like you just said, that's what Alabama does. So if Arkansas can, you know, if Alabama does that and Arkansas can still find ways to win, obviously, um, that that could be a concern. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure if like Alabama itself is like worried about that as much as it's just kind of worried about doing its own thing. But I think when you look at this game, I mean that that's definitely an advantage for Arkansas. That you know when you're going up against a team that has an obvious strength or an obvious preference, that if you can win, even if that team is able to accomplish that preference, um, yeah, that's a that's a big feather in your hat going heading into the matchup. 
you talked about it a little bit earlier. I just wanted you to touch on it a little bit more. How important was it for the Tide to get Jordan Bruner back just in general, but also, you know, with a few weeks left in the regular season to get him kind of reacclimated to the team, um, getting him back conditioned into playing shape uh, and before March Madness? You know, Nate Oates runs a, a small ball style, so the bigs aren't as important, but you do want a big. And, and Jordan Bruner was so the perfect big for Alabama. He can he can hit threes, and he's not necessarily a three point shooter, but he he does have that ability from deep. Uh, he's a rebound guy, and he's one just one of the best defensive players that Alabama has. So he was really important uh, to, to Nate Oates' approach, and there really wasn't that guy to to replace him. Uh, you know, Alabama was trying to do makeshift. You know, they had James Rojas, who's about like six eight, and Juwan Gary is about the same size. And they had those guys kind of serve as bigs, but nobody could really like replace what Bruner could could give them. I mean, Alex Reese did a you know admirable job as a starter, but you know when you get into the tournament, you need that guy like Bruner. Um, at, at, you need some kind of big man presence, and that's what Alabama. That's really what Alabama has is, is Jordan Bruner. Outside of that, that's if you look at their weaknesses, that's kind of a weakness for Alabama's depth in the big man. They had Alex Chiku, the five-star freshman um, from Paris. He got injured to start the season, you know, um, before the season started, and he's out for the year. He would have helped a little bit with that depth, maybe, depending on how he adjusted to the next level. But So Alabama's lacking a little bit in that depth. So having a guy like Jordan Bruner, like I said, he's, he's great on defense. He's probably the he arguably the second or third best defender on the team outside of Herbert Jones. Um, you know, maybe Ken Ellis is a guy that, you know, does a lot uh, defensively. But um, I, I think that, you know, when you look at this team, uh, he's one of the most important spots. And that's why Alabama tried so hard after him, you know, as a graduate transfer from Yale. Uh, so, uh, I think it's it's definitely important, and I think they got to be careful with him as well because he's really important for for the tournament. And I think you know you can't almost can't push him too hard, even in a game like this, because you can't lose him for when it really counts. You mentioned uh, Alabama pushing really hard for Jordan Bruner. You know, it's funny Muss <laughs> mentioned in his uh, presser previewing this game that he had recruited uh, Bruner to Arkansas as a graduate transfer as well. Arkansas ended up, I don't know the exact timeline. I don't know if Arkansas landed Justin Smith before or after. I kind of want to say it was after uh, Bruner committed to Alabama. Um, but that that's one matchup to kind of watch is uh, Justin Smith playing inside against uh, a Jordan Bruner or a Herb Jones, depending on what the, uh, the alignments are like. Uh, what matchup in particular on Wednesday are you most looking forward to if you have one? I, I don't really know which which matchup I want to see after watching Moses Moody just tear apart Alabama last. You know I, I know it was a lot, but I just want to see how they handle him. You know because um, I yeah I think a lot of these Alabama players Alabama has a bunch of players you know on the fringe of of the NBA draft, and I think that they kind of want to prove themselves. And what better opportunity to prove themselves against you know what is going to be a lottery pick uh, in Moody probably so. Um, you know, maybe maybe you can get Herb Jones to kind of limit him. I, I don't know that that could be that could be a fun matchup if that ends up happening. Um, but you know, that, that's that's I, I just want to see how Alabama tries to handle him. Gotcha. That's fair enough. Uh, just just a couple more questions, then I'll let you go. I know you're probably busy and got a lot of stuff going on, so I don't want to keep you too long. Um, what are your keys to the game for Alabama to get a victory t- tomorrow? 
I think they've got to start fast because I think when you look at what they've done on the road and just in general of starting fast, a lot of this the last few games they've they've started just really slow and they've been able to you know kind of wake up in time. Like you look at the Vanderbilt game, it was just real sloppy and they should have put that Vanderbilt team away super early and, and they just let Vanderbilt hang around and the game got even uncomfortable even in the last you know few minutes and you can't do that against a team like Arkansas especially on the road so I think a quick start is, is essential um you look at you know what happened in Missouri when when Alabama fell down early I, they, they can't do that and so I think you know um don't be sloppy with the ball early uh control it um, obviously it'd help if they could, you know, hit their threes, but even if they don't just, just play discipline and, and, and play alert and just don't dig yourself into a hole. That's, that's the biggest thing I can say for Alabama. All right. And do you have a score prediction headed into tomorrow? It's okay. Oh, if you geez. don't, I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, I mean, maybe like, yeah, I would expect it to be somewhat high. Uh, cause I think it, what, what was the score prediction? What was the score last night? It was like 90 to 59. I, I'd say Alabama's probably somewhere still in the 90s, but I, I expect Arkansas to be more up there. So maybe somewhere in the 90-something to 85, you know. But I, I think I expect Alabama to win just because I think they need this, this win so much. But I, I do expect it to be within, you know, five points. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I can definitely see that. I think the uh, first line that came out was actually a uh, basically a pick em, or maybe Arkansas by one or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Regardless, it's going to be a close game. Uh, one would think it would be a much better game than the one at Coleman Coliseum earlier this year. Um, everybody uh, that's associated definitely wants it to be a better game just because it's, it's a lot more fun to watch a better game. Um, but yeah, that, that's about all I had for you. Uh, Tony Sukalis from BamaInsider.com. Thanks so much for uh, hopping on here with me, Tony. Oh yeah, definitely. Anytime. Um, do you have a Twitter you want to plug for anybody listening if they want to follow yeah, you? Yeah, sure. It's uh, at Tony underscore Sukalas. Uh, my last name is spelled T as in Tom, S-O-U-K-A-L-A-S. So just Tony underscore Sukalas. Uh, you can also follow us at, at BamaInsider.com. Or no, I, I, just sorry, at BamaInsider. And the site's BamaInsider.com. That's a lot easier than my complicated last name. So if you want to follow us that way, you can as well. All right. I appreciate it, Tony. Thank you so much.